Let's read together 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. Now in this first portion of the chapter, Samuel is told by the Lord to anoint David as the next king of Israel because King Saul was rejected from being king over God's people. 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Let's begin our study this morning with some background notes. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, King Saul was given one last chance to prove that he would follow and obey the Lord. Saul was supposed to go and remove the Amalekites from the land because of their idolatry and because of their ambush of Israel when the children of Israel were in the wilderness in their journey from Egypt to Canaan. But Saul failed the test. He left King Agag of the Amalekites alive, and he kept the best of the sheep and oxen alive. Saul blamed his disobedience on the people. He said that they wanted to keep the best of the sheep and the oxen alive in order to sacrifice them to the Lord. At this point, Samuel told Saul that to obey is better than sacrifice. And he also told King Saul that because of his disobedience, the kingdom would be taken from him and given to a better man. Look back at verse 28 of chapter 15. So Samuel said to Saul, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is a better man than you. Well, that neighbor and better man, of course, was David. Saul had heard similar words of rejection back in chapter 13 when he deliberately disobeyed the Lord in the matter of not waiting for Samuel at Gilgal to conduct the sacrifice to the Lord. Remember what Samuel said to Saul on that occasion of disobedience? I'm reading 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. 1 Samuel 13, verses 13 and 14. So now here in chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16, the time has come for Samuel to anoint David as the new king of Israel because Saul is going to be set aside as king. David is only a teenager at this point, but Samuel is told to anoint him as the coming king who will eventually replace disobedient King Saul. Now, in the Lord's directions to Samuel concerning the secret anointing of David, 
a question of biblical ethics comes up. This needs to be discussed, and that brings us to our doctrinal teaching points for this first portion of 1 Samuel chapter 16. So doctrinal point number one, the Bible never condones lying and deceiving. The Bible never condones lying and deceiving. When the Lord told Samuel to go to Bethlehem and anoint one of the sons of Jesse as the new king, Samuel said that when King Saul heard of this, Saul would kill him. So the Lord told Samuel to take a young cow with him and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, does that give you a problem? Is the Lord telling Samuel here to lie or be deceitful? Answer, no. The Bible never condones lying or deceiving. Samuel did sacrifice to the Lord when he came to Bethlehem, but he also anointed David. This was not lying or deceiving, but keeping a secret from King Saul, whom God had rejected as king. The Bible never condones lying or deceit. But what about the Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 1, who told Pharaoh that the reason they were not drowning the Hebrew male babies was because the Israeli women were giving birth before the midwives could get to them? Wasn't that a lie? No, I don't think so. They were telling the truth. God was at work on behalf of the Hebrew slaves and protecting them. Well, then what about Rahab in Joshua chapter 2? Didn't she lie about the Hebrew spies? Yes, but God did not condone her lying. God could have protected the spies in any number of ways. When Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament, in both Hebrews chapter 11 and James chapter 2, she is not commended for her lying but for her faith in the God of Israel and her works of faith in taking care of the spies. The Bible never condones lying and deceiving. The Bible does not teach situation ethics, where it's okay to lie if you think it's the more loving thing to do. And the Bible does not teach wartime ethics, where it's okay to lie in the time of war. No, the Bible teaches what could be called non-conflicting moral absolutes. That is, there is always the right choice to make, and in making that choice, you do not have to break one of God's moral laws or choose the lesser of two evils. After all, our Lord Jesus never broke one of God's moral laws, and our Lord never chose the lesser of two evils. And he lived in this real world, and we are to follow his example. So you never have to steal in order not to murder or murder in order not to commit adultery, or lie in order not to murder, and so on. The Bible teaches non-conflicting moral absolutes. The Bible never condones lying and deceiving. Doctrinal point number two. The Bible sometimes condones secrecy and concealment. The Bible sometimes condones secrecy and concealment. That's what's going on here in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And notice that this was not just Samuel's idea. This was the Lord's command. The Lord told Samuel to creatively conceal the fact that he was secretly anointing David so that the proud and disobedient King Saul would not find out. This was not lying and deceiving, but concealing in order to do the right thing and obey God. 
contemporary examples. The Bible condones Christians meeting in secret in communist countries or Muslim countries and creatively concealing the fact by making it appear that they are meeting for a birthday party, for example. The Bible condones a Christian taking a job as a teacher of English in a foreign country that is closed to the gospel in order to spread the word of Jesus as well as teach English. This is not lying and deceiving. It is creative concealment in order to obey the command of the Lord. The Bible never condones lying and deceiving, but the Bible sometimes condones secrecy and concealment. Now, if you would like to read more about this difficult and involved topic, go to our website, growingchristians.org, and look up the Devotions for Growing Christians issue on this chapter entitled, An Exercise in Ethics. In fact, let me read from a couple of paragraphs from the second half of this essay. Quote, lying is never justified, but the Bible does not require us to reveal the whole truth to everybody. Concealment of truth is only a sin when an obligation exists to reveal the hidden facts or there is an intent to lead astray into moral error. The Lord Jesus never lied to his enemies, but many times he did not give them straight answers in order to conceal the whole truth. He purposely spoke in parables to conceal truth from the skeptics who had forfeited their right to know the truth. See Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 13. Samuel would have been wrong if he had lied to King Saul, but he was not wrong in concealing his full intentions. By way of application, parents should never lie to their children, but they are not under compulsion to divulge all the facts if their children do not need to know them. Parents should be careful, however, in the way they conceal the whole truth from their children. On the other hand, a child who conceals activities which his parents have a right or a need to know about is definitely wrong. The same principle of not lying but concealing the whole truth from those who do not have a need or right to know was practiced in the divinely directed ambush of I in Joshua chapter 8. God cannot be accused of telling Israel to lie or practice deception just because the army of I thought Joshua's tactics were the same as those he had used in Joshua chapter 7. It is important to note in this case that God did not tell Joshua to stage an ambush by sending a fake peace delegation ahead of his hidden attacking forces. That would have been dishonest because it was outside the generally understood and accepted rules of warfare. Parenthesis, a fake run in football is misleading to the opposition, but not deceitful because it is within the rules of the game. However, carrying a second football to make a fake run is deception. Similarly, the use of camouflage and feints in a just war is not labeled lying and deceiving, but the use of red cross symbols or white truce flags as decoys is outside the generally accepted, quote, rules of the game, unquote, and inherently dishonest and therefore deceitful. An exercise in ethics is not easy. Often we end up with more questions than when we started. However, such exercise is good for our spiritual health, even though all the loose ends are not thoroughly tied up. While not all growing Christians will agree, our conclusion to this brief exercise in ethics is as follows. The Bible teaches that lying and deceiving are always wrong. 
but not revealing the whole truth is sometimes right. End of quote. As I said, you can read more of this essay on our website, growingchristians.org. Now, what about practical application from 1 Samuel chapter 16? Remember, getting killed is not the worst thing that can happen. Remember, getting killed is not the worst thing that can happen. Suppose you had been a Christian during World War II in Nazi Germany. You were hiding Jews in your attic, and the SS troopers come along with their guns and bang on your door and ask the question, are you hiding any Jews? What do you answer? Do you lie and protect the Jews? Or do you tell the truth and get the Jews and yourself killed? What would Jesus have done? This is a legitimate question at this point. I don't think Jesus would have lied or given the Jews away. He probably would have chosen a third alternative, as he often did in Scripture, such as remaining silent or answering with a question like, by whose authority do you ask me this question? Now, for us to do the right thing would be to follow the example of our Lord. But you say that would get us all killed, probably. But remember, getting killed is not the worst thing that can happen. The glory of God and pleasing him and doing the right thing is always the higher priority. Remember, getting killed is not the worst thing that can happen. 